0: Welcome to the In Common Podcast. This is Stefan Partelow. Today we are launching a new series in the podcast. Here we will interview authors who have published in the International Journal of the Commons, asking them about their research, its purpose, and future directions. We won't be interviewing authors from every published piece but are partnering with the journal editors to develop a selection process in the future our ambition is to work with other community-oriented journals that embody the values we put forward with this podcast and platform and to conduct interviews with a wider diversity of authors in this kickoff episode michael and i are interviewing the current editors of the international journal of the commons about a recent editorial piece they published reviewing the state of the field commons research and laying out their vision for addressing some of the gaps and challenges going forward the three editors are frank von Leerhoven, michael schoon and sergio via mayor thomas i hope you enjoy the episode and forthcoming series this is the in common podcast So let's start with a summary of this editorial and what the purpose was and what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, maybe I can give you a bit of a background on that. I was uh, tricked into becoming uh, an associate editor, a co-editor of the journal through an invitation by uh, Tina De Moore at the time and Eleanor Ostrom to uh, to get involved in the very first issue of uh, of the journal. And what we did and what we tried to do together with Lynn Ostrom was to uh, to join Cutting edge scholars who could tell us a little bit about the state of the art in different spheres of of scholarship, forestry, irrigation, and so forth and so on. And the editorial we did was a stocktaking exercise of where we stood as a field of study. We did this in 2007. Our knowledge of and capabilities with uh, doing bibliometric analysis were very blunt. They still are, by the way. But I think uh, we had some interesting findings about uh, about the the, the spread of the and the number of journals where common stuff was getting published, the kind of topics that were being that were being published. Quite interesting uh, results. But 2007, 2021, 2020, it was about time to uh, to redo that. So uh, and it was also the celebration of the 30th anniversary of the. Of the seminal book that uh, that that I guess uh, was uh, one of the biggest inspirations for many of us to start looking into this. So that's what we did. We uh, we, we we downloaded uh, a bunch of uh, of comments-related articles from Scopus. We uh, cleaned that database. We have about four thousand or so titles. And for all of these titles, we uh, we have the subject area, the authors, of course, the title, the year in which the article is published, the journal in which the article is published, the number of citations that each article got, the affiliation of the authors and the abstracts. And that's the, 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 the database that we started working with. And I think that we found uh, how we have progressed, how we have uh, developed since 2007. Do you want me to talk a little bit about the findings, I suggest?
2: I guess we should mention at least one of the main findings, which is that the IAC is still the main journal publishing papers from the Commons. I mean, that was pretty surprising to me that despite the high volume of papers published and the large amount of journals publishing articles from the Commons, the IAC remains to be somehow at a certain point of of the field. In
1: 2007, we found that there were about 1,300 or so journal titles that had at one point in time uh, published stuff related with the commons, and we thought we should create a safe space where discussion and debate around the topic can find place, where people can find each other and check each other's uh, work, which is why why we, we, we developed the International Journal of the Commons. And now in 2020 we established that we indeed succeeded. We are, I will say modestly, but but, but realistically by far the most popular outlets in our domain, which can be uh, an indication of success, but it might also be reasoned that this might undermine diversity and it might lead to tunnel visions and narrow definitions of, uh, of how the commons should, quote unquote, be studied. So we are aware of that, That's, that is indeed a finding.
0: The indication that there might be other journals which have actually a substantial amount of articles, they might not have the most amount, but they have 10, 30, 40, 50 articles talking about commons work. Is that an indication of the the concept of commons, a theory behind uh, common pool resource, public goods, et cetera, institutions growing into new areas, growing into other fields and disciplines, becoming less disciplinary oriented around the original scholars who founded the field?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point, and and that's the concern precisely. I, I I don't think that we should be the magnets of everything. Commons, far from it. And, and and if we look at the topics that are being tackled in the publications that we have managed to publish, it, 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 it's uh, we might say that there is a need for or room for more diversity, and, and that's something that we applaud. And if we do not manage to accommodate that because of path dependency, the kind of authors that are familiar with us and uh, the, 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 the source of inspiration that Lynn Ostrom and her way of working and looking at the commons is and people feeling comfortable with that and more of the same, more of the same. If people are going to look for outlets in, in, in other parts where another language, another framing, another approach is valued, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm looking at my other co-editors to see if they agree. <laughs>
3: I actually wanted to get back to something that Frank said earlier about the, the take-home messages from, from this piece. So just as the previous editorial back in 2007 was really explaining this call to action in the creation of a new journal and why as a hub for, for this research, the bibliometric analysis this time is is meant to inform, yes, in what's going on, the trends and so on of the field, but equally so... Our goal was to talk about our editorial policies and use this as a call to action as how we're moving forward and sharing that with, with our readers and audience and, and potential authors that they knew what we were trying to do and, and our motivations as editors. I know some journals do this occasionally to, to kind of do that, but I don't always think it's enough and the, the journals just become kind of of a churning house where people just publish whatever they happen to be working on and, and send it. And we wanted to guide this process a little bit, and not not to not to guide the the scholarship that was happening, but to to uh, advocate for areas that we think were neglected, and so on. The the big thing was we wanted to create a a safe space where where people could uh, could publish. It's a place where people from Underrepresented uh, communities, regions around the world, places that may not be publishing as much, would feel supported. So that's been a challenge as editors to help with scholarship that may need a little bit more editorial work than than in other cases. And and of course that's that affects us as a journal. And you know if you publish only leading scientists, your impact factor will skyrocket. And we've made some clear. Uh, decisions to support scholarship with people that are in the communities that that the commons off, commons researchers often study that have been neglected in the past. Um, so that's a a big push that we've been trying to do is is to support this scholarship.
0: Given that this article or this editorial is is taking a look back and taking stock of where we are in the commons field, and I would be interested in three areas. And one is where is it where is it going methodologically? Where is it going? contextually? And where is it going theoretically? Are we still looking at the same commons we've been looking at for 30 years? Are we still looking at fisheries, forestry and irrigation systems and water governance? Or are we broadening the scope of what we view as commons and how we engage with commons, uh, different types of commons? Theoretically, are we still applying common pool resource theory and public goods theories and institutional analysis? Or are we trying to connect it with other disciplines and link those theories uh, to broaden them? And then methodologically, where do we stand? Is it, is it diversifying a little bit?
1: If you're looking for surprising findings, maybe one negative surprising finding is well, the 2007 article, as the 2020 article, has trends in its title. And the trend that we observed in 2007 seems not to have continued. I, I, I think that uh, in terms of diversity, uh, development forward has been, in my view, too limited. The big five, uh, as we called uh, the topics in 2007, are still pretty dominant in our in our uh, in in, in the perspective that we are offering. Uh, New commons, the topics that can be argued to to matter most or 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 a lot or increasingly more, biodiversity. uh, regional to international comments are still not getting the amount of attention that I think they deserve. Here's a personal, more normative uh, opinion that uh, that does not reflect uh, the journal, but that that's me telling you that. And and still, we're mostly social scientists. So I think that uh, whereas uh, towards the end of her career, Lynn Ostrom, of course, uh, affiliated herself uh, passionately with social ecological system thinking, bringing together human nature coupled systems, we still see little evidence of collaborations between social scientists and and natural scientists. In fact, I was I was I was kind of shocked by the embarrassingly low number of of, of interdisciplinary work that we find or evidence thereof. Maybe the proxies that we use to measure that are are not entirely reliable or valid, but I have the impression and that needs to be studied uh, maybe a bit further, that uh, based on uh, on on the universities and the departments where authors work, that that it's mostly social scientists working together and not even across different departments or faculties. So so diversity, topics, and and diversity in the sense that seventy five percent of the six thousand five hundred unique names that we found in our data sets are working uh, in or at uh, North American or European universities. So i 'm reiterating the point that Michael was making about uh, the lack of, uh, of of involvement of other voices I think that we risk maybe I'm uh, becoming a bit too too, too blunt and uh, and and on nuanced or lack of nuance but yeah so the the standstill is is, is it's not good I think theres more to be done
3: so 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 again I think the the this leads to some editorial decisions you know we're very supportive uh, you know as we step through these things if we think about areas of the commons. We've had special issues on areas like the knowledge commons and urban commons, and we want to continue to push those. Uh, we, we want to see people reaching out into areas like the new IASC conference on space and the space commons. I think that these are important areas for us to broaden beyond, as Frank said, the big five. and And in terms of methodological approaches, I know Sergio has been doing a lot of thinking on this. We, we have a strong tradition in institutional analysis and these types of studies, and we want to make sure that we're expanding. There's a lot of, of new and creative work uh, beyond that.
2: Well, I can reflect on a funding that was surprising to me, which is that there's a large number of papers that are not cited at all in the field. I mean, I guess this is a common trend in the social environmental sciences. We didn't dig deeper into that, but I wouldn't be surprised that many of those papers are case studies. And then the question, okay, how can we use these case studies in ways other than just citing them? So you'll know that there's now a, a huge trend of doing case study reviews and all kinds of uh, desktop field work with publications. And yeah, we've been thinking about, about that, how to pave the way for, for those case study reviews to happen more smoothly. We all have some experience with that, and we recognize that uh, case studies are very uh, diverse, even within the field of, of the commons. Yeah, so we are, we, are, we are trying to put some measures in that regard by creating a protocol, for case studies to be accessed online. Let's see if that takes off.
3: So I've, I've mentioned a, a, a few times now that we're taking these editorial stances. And I just want to add one additional point to that, that we're, you know, how do we go about doing this rather than us just, other than us just saying this or, or writing this? And we're taking a few different steps to try to put our money where our mouth is, in some cases, quite literally. So I mentioned before editorial support you know, for uh, burgeoning fields or, or, or regions of the world that are underrepresented in, in the literature. And so we're providing that editorial support. We're also providing financial support. It's quite limited. I mean, we're, uh, we're a, a struggling nonprofit journal, um, but, but we do have some funds for that. We have awards for, for innovation and innovative research, uh, to, to push in, into these new areas. And the latest thing that we've been trying to do is, is create, uh, special issues that we find and solicit, uh, authors and le- leader guest editors for. We're, we're really trying to, to back up what we've been talking about in this review and build these editorial recommendations into, into practice.
2: And the editorial board, right, Michael? I think we can be kind of proud of having a quite diverse and now young editorial board, which hopefully will help us in that uh, direction.
1: Maybe adding uh, to that, uh, the tools that we have are are at our disposal, however modest, maybe gives you an idea. Maybe readers or listeners will want to know why it is that we charge uh, an author fee. Well, this is what it is for. None of the people involved... uh, is getting any money for what we do it's 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 a prodeo uh, voluntary job that we love doing and we just don't tell our bosses that this is what we spend a lot of time on but the money that we charge is partly going into covering up obviously the operational costs of our publisher but there is a significant part that is going into uh, the financing of editorial support the invitation and the putting together of special issues the financing of the awards So if people are wondering, why are you charging us? This should be for free. Well, this is why it's not for free. And I hope because there is some resistance to the APC model, as it is called, author processing
2: the article processing charge.
0: You all touched on this next segment, which is what is next for the journal. There's anything else you'd like to add?
2: So surprising finding for me from the review was to see that the big five and institutional approach were still very strong. I was expecting maybe because of the circles and working on to see, you know, the new theoretical approaches like commoning or the new commons, like urban commons, being profiled more prominently. Maybe that was a bias based on the kind of submissions we are receiving at the IJC. And an effort that I, and I think also Michael and Frank, have been trying to do in, you know, processing those new commons and new theoretical approaches uh, kind of submissions is trying to connect them with the, you know, institutional approach um, trying to push the authors to make that connection and, and be constructive about the link here around the, the commons and not trying to come up with new things that are totally disconnected from, from what we already know about the commons. Yeah. And
1: I want to point out that we are just modest, editors of a journal we have no ambition and also no way of pushing scholarship in certain directions we we have ideas but it's it's organically growing and developing trends can be observed but not necessarily created And if it they can be created then they cannot be created by the three of us so we don't have that ambition so so we we wouldn't want to come across as, uh, as, as the masters of common scholarship
0: I mean one question I had followed up Frank's discussion of the what the, uh, the article processing charge the APC model what al- are there alternative models to this I mean having a model implies that there are alternative models. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the big model is uh, is it, the commercial model is based on licenses that are sold in bundles to universities. It's a, it's it's a multi-billion business that uh, the, the the five or so main publishing houses around the world are very good at. So I think it's more lucrative than uh, than uh, than uh, than selling coke cocaine. The other APC is what we do. Uh, you can also think of institutional supports. Uh, by means of lump sums, for example, that uh, that that funding organizations or associations or association, if our association was generating sufficient funding, it could decide to to funnel that uh, that funding into the, the operation of a journal, stuff like that. Uh, we haven't found that feasible, so there is no structural way of getting the operational costs of the journal financed by injections of money from other sources.
0: So when we talk about open access, we're really referring to the APC model. Is that right?
1: No. If 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 we'd have a funder that mm. would be structurally willing to fund everything, the, nothing would change at uh, at at the, at the receiving end. If you're right. a, a reader, you can still access everything for free. So, but somebody needs to pay. There are that's a cliche. No free lunches. Okay, I've said it. Well, there
0: is a distinction between non-profit article processing charges and for-profit article processing charges with open access journals. And I think that is a distinction which is important to make as well, that the IJC is not, as you already mentioned, it's not a for-profit, no one getting paid. That's not the overall ambition of the journal, where there are other open access publishers who that is an ambition of the journal or of the company.
1: Yes yeah and I, I i want to stress that we are very lucky to have partnered with uh with a publishing house in london uh, called uh, ubiquity press that have fully embraced the open access philosophy as we as we see it they're in no way uh, akin to the Elseviers and the springers of this world they they have the genuine ambition to to support uh, community-run and operated uh, attempts to, uh, to share academically-generated knowledge. So we're very glad and we, we, we want to thank them for, uh, for helping us out. It's, 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 it's a great uh, publishing house to, to partner with.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. To explore more episodes as well as our blog, please visit our website, www.incommonpodcast.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast on just about any podcast player. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at InCommonPod. You can also visit our Patreon page if you'd like to support us, and the links to all these websites can be found in the show notes.